www.disneytimepodcast. everybody and welcome to the disney time podcast i'm your host micah and joining me today are my co-hosts nelson hello and rissa hello hey guys how's it going it's been a while right yeah it's been a while yep happy new year happy christmas happy holidays (laughs) pretty much uh merry happy everything to everybody all of our (laughs) listeners out there uh, so yeah, it's a start of a new year. I guess we can just call this the start of a new season for our our podcast here. Uh, this could be the start of something new. Oh my oh. goodness! <laughs> oh, here we go. <laughs> I couldn't help it. It was just Very, right there. Yeah, yeah. It's that's the low hanging fruit for you guys. Um, so yeah, we'll, we're going to call this uh, season three of the Disney Time Podcast. So welcome everybody to season three. Um, then speaking of seasons, today's topic that we're going to be talking about is The Mandalorian Season 1, uh, which is a new Disney Plus original series, and it's been all the rage. Everybody's been talking about it. It's been all over social media uh, ever since Disney Plus was, came out. You know, it's, it's a trending thing. So, um, yeah, you guys ready to talk about your thoughts on this? Yeah. Yep, let's do it. Cool, cool. So, this this series, The Mandalorian, as you know, it was released on November 12, 2019, which was the, the actual official release date of Disney+. Plus. So, it's one of the first shows to come out along um, when, when Disney Plus was released. Um, we did see a little bit of, like, some sneak peeks beforehand. Um... They did show us. We we were at D twenty three Expo when they they announced this this series, right? Um, what do you guys recall from you know b- the pre pre stuff? Um, Nelson, do you remember anything they were talking about? Oh gosh, man! In all honesty, no, I don't remember anything specific on the Mandalorian. Other than uh, they had some merch that we bought at at the expo. Yeah, I remember the definitely the second day or the first mm-hmm. anyway um one of the days at the dream store they had an um an exclusive d23 shirt that featured the mandalorian and um it was kind of funny leading up into the re- the launch day of uh the show and the platform that um i kind of got like what is that um like the for the shirt I'm like oh right. it's the Mandalorian it's a sh- new show coming out on Disney Plus like oh okay and that's all I got but if I were to wear it now it just seems like oh you're jumping on the bandwagon <laughs> well it was exclusive to that expo so you know you'd be like I was there before yeah the I could be totally hipster about <laughs> it like yeah man I totally was into this first so uh, do you recall anything, Rissa, that, that you might have heard at the expo or, or they, you know, showed something that you saw? I think the main thing that I remember from the expo was uh, the announcement of the edition with, of Ming-Na Wen. Mm, um, okay. Because during Legends ceremony, I think they dropped that news. And then also during the S.H.I.E.L.D. panel, they dropped that news. Um, so, Mulan DeLorean. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Mulan DeLorean. So that was that was a 
a new piece of information um, outside of all of the hype that we already knew about, like the main cast and um, uh, John Favreau being the the director or the main uh, show creator, along with right. um, Filoni. Yeah, Dave Filoni. Yeah, so that that was the main thing that I really heard about it. Um, new, anyway. Cool. Yeah. So I mean, I I remember seeing some tweets or seeing some pictures that Pedro Pascal showed up, you know, cause he, he plays the Mandalorian. Um, so, you know, they, they showed him at the, like on the, on the blue carpet, uh, at the 23 expo. I just remember that. And I was like, Oh cool. Mandalorian. Um, so yeah, leading up to the show, it was, there was a lot of hype I, and I was kind of like nervous as, as to how it's going to go. How about you guys? Were you guys nervous at all? No, not at all. Uh, I, I really had faith in, in, um, John Favreau, and uh, I, I didn't really know um, Filoni's uh, work. I knew that he worked on what was it, Clone Wars? Clone Wars, yeah. Um, I really like that. And that I, show I that knew he that did. it was really well developed. So um, yeah, I, I know that they're both great storytellers in, in that regard. So um, it was just a matter of how uh, the content you know, went along with the, the story. And I think they chose a really good period of, of time um, being a midquel, basically, between mm-hmm. the, the two uh, trilogies. So uh, what, do you, what do you think, Nelson? Were, were you, you know, a little nervous as to how it's going to go? I personally was. Okay. Because I knew how delicate a place the Star Wars franchise was in at the time. Just before right. or before the release of Mandalorian, because there was two bombshells that you know Lucasfilms had uh, released back to back. Unfortunate, but uh, yeah, Last Jedi did not do so well, or rather, it did well like financially, but um, it just it destroyed Story a lot wise. of the the faith in the the hardcore fans. And then Solo was a financial bomb. So yeah, that was kind of weird. I, I I actually liked the story. It wasn't that bad. I didn't think the movie itself was bad. It's just no one right. went to go see it. <laughs> yeah, that was. I, maybe people were just um, fatigued with Star Wars. That could be it. But I mean, in all honesty, I think it was because how bad the Last Jedi like was oh, with the fans. So they're like, like a follow up thing. Yeah, it's just like the next movie. I, they had no faith, and so yeah. yeah, Star Wars was in a very tight spot as a franchise. And so I was thinking, like, well, I know Rise of Skywalker is going to be still a big thing, but um, The Mandalorian is coming out just before that. So I was like, I hope, you know, hope it did. It does good. And holy cow, (laughs) it, I think, blew everyone's expectations. So, yeah, that uh, was a big plus for Lucasfilms. Yeah, so I mean, Disney Plus with their series is they are they're releasing them one week at a time. Um, so, uh, what did you guys think of, of that format? Having to wait a week in order to get the next episode, it kind of reminded me of like when we were waiting for Game of Thrones episodes. What do you guys think, uh, Rissa? What do you think? Oh, I I personally love week to week. Um, it kind of gets you um, more hyped up for the next episode, and it gives you the opportunity to. Um, like chat with your coworkers about it, and uh, it, it gives you that feel of you know live TV once again. I mean, of course you have uh, 
people watching it at different times based on their availability, but there's still that live TV aspect of, um, you know, if you didn't watch it, it's your fault, you know, kind of thing. Oh, uh, like a premiere, like there's a premiere for it. Right. So like that every at, week. as opposed to, you know, people binge at different rates, you know. So on Netflix, there's a couple of shows that, that do the week to week type of thing. Um, but most of them are binge, you know, binge watching. So you can't really discuss it because you have to have that kind of pre-conversation of, oh, did you did you watch to this episode? And most of the time when you binge something, you don't remember which episode, like, had what content because it's just all it all rolls together so there's a danger of accidentally spoiling somebody you know so what about you nelson what do you think of that of this format week to week well i'm perfectly fine with it it's uh that's what i have to deal with when it comes to anime and um that's my primary media source that uh, i consume so most anime that i or all anime that i've really watched it's yeah released on a new episode per week so i mean i was just used to it and i definitely 100 percent agree with everything rissa said so yeah yeah definitely definitely i also like that format where they do week to week it kind of keeps you on the edge and you're like oh so what's going to happen next and then you you want some more and you want some more like can they release the next one and then you have to wait a week so it also also keeps you, you know, discussing it with other people like, oh, yeah, what's going to happen here? You, then you start speculating all these theories and all this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, another thing that they did was they each episode is like its own thing, right? It's it's contained in itself and yet it, it makes a story, continue, it continues the story. And also they they bring in different directors. It seems every episode they'll have like sometimes they'll have a guest director or they'll have Filoni or... Uh, do do the directing so um what did you, did you guys like some of the the different the the fact that they have different directors doing it uh what do you think rissa um i feel like it would be a more uh cohesive story um and be more consistent if they had the, a single director um but i mean a lot of shows tend to do this uh similar to like doctor who uh chuck did it um but then you have that people more like they tend to have their favorites out of a series of episodes but that kind of comes with just different scripts because it's never just one script writer that that works on it it's like a team of script writers on all these shows um just because of the demand of of uh, uh recording and and whatnot you know filming schedules um they they have a tight schedule with these things so I guess budgetary wise, it's it's better to have um, more directors just because like timelines work better that way, and they can just film all at once, and they're busy people. Um, but I think personally, when you have a single director, you have a a bigger picture and a and more cohesive flow from episode to episode. So, did you have a favorite director or a favorite episode that you'd say that you you really liked watching? I really, really like the episodes that were directed by Deborah Chow. Oh, yeah? And um, uh, you could definitely tell that when Taika Waititi directed. Um, yeah, yeah. Because he yeah, has... Yeah, that comedy. Yeah, he has <laughs> that com- comedic edge to it. Um, but yeah, Deborah Chow's episodes were definitely my favorite. So that would be the uh, episode three, The Sin, and also episode seven, The Reckoning? Correct. Nice. How about you, Nelson? Um, 
What did you think of having separate directors for each of these episodes? I'm also in the same camp where I'd prefer to have one director doing everything or directing all of the episodes just because for me, consistency is a, it's a nice plus. Right. And I mean, it's very evident where, you know, when, you know, there's different directors directing different episodes. And I mean, the perfect example I can think of was, um, well, this is not a a show, but um, between Harry Potter's movie two and three, holy cow, that was a big shift. Yeah. Right, right, exactly. And um, yeah, for me, I was just like, that's not like... It, it it just doesn't connect very well, in my opinion, when, when they do something like that. And, I mean, I, I can understand for, like, a show where they want to use different directors because, like Riss is saying, they're, they're on a timeline. And I'll, I was also thinking that um, probably directors might get burned out from sticking with one show, you know, for X amount of time. So I can understand for with that regard, but um, I just think overall... I. Th- the quality of the show, I think, would be better if it's all connected and consistent. So, yeah, I I personally like it when there's just one director. But so having so having said that, do you think that the quality of this show suffered at all by having different directors? Um, overall, not so much. But there definitely were episodes that I didn't really like as much. <laughs> But uh, uh, which which episode do you think uh, that you didn't did you didn't like as much as the rest of them or uh, some of the other ones? The Krill episode with the the ATST. Oh, the Sanctuary episode. Yeah, I didn't really like that one. I yeah, that's one that I didn't like because for me it was kind of dark. Like, I mean, in terms of lighting, it was really dark. I personally oh. don't think that that has to do with the director, though. Um, that was Bryce Dallas Howard, by the way. Yeah. Um, that was the only episode she directed. Right. Um, but looking at who wrote all these episodes, like it's interesting. You don't tend to see showrunners write this many episodes. Um, yeah, Favreau wrote that one. Favreau wrote the majority of these episodes. So I feel like that's why it was a pretty cohesive story to begin with, um, in, in season one at least. Uh, but we'll see how it goes as it, as the demand for this goes on. Um, Because Favreau's a busy man, you know? Oh, yeah. He has his hands in a lot of different things. So um, we'll we'll see as we go on whether, especially, like, how long they're going to tell the story. Um, Because I I really like shows that decide an endpoint regardless of its popularity. Um, I think that's one of the things that um, How I Met Your Mother had a hard time with. Uh, because they actually had an endpoint drawn back in like season four or five, and they mm. continued to like season eleven, and they kept their endpoint instead of adapting. Um, so hopefully, the Mandalorian has an endpoint to the story, and they stick to it. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, it's hard to see right now because they already confirmed the season two. So I mean, which we don't know. I find interesting that they greenlit it only after like episode three or four. Yeah. That is pretty interesting, considering the fact that High School Musical, this the musical, the series got their season two like even before they debuted season one. So, <laughs> um, so again, that might be connected to the fact that yeah, Lucasfilms was in a tight spot, so that this Mandalorian show might have been a gamble for them, but right. panned out well. And that other that other show that I just mentioned is pretty good too. <laughs> right. Um, so. Anyway, did you guys have 
other i mean i know rissa said that she liked the the episodes that deborah chow uh directed did you did you have a favorite episode rissa of all eight episodes that were that were released did you have a favorite um i think the sin was my favorite oh yeah yeah that was a pretty good one yeah is that when um he uh mando took the child it's yes. when he delivers a child and then goes back for the child. Okay. And I agree. That is yeah. a good episode. It, it was just really well shot. And um, I don't know. It, it, it told a really good story. Um, you saw Mando really bond with um, the child. It's hard calling it the child. It, I call him Baby Oda. Yeah. <laughs> I try and correct things, everyone yeah. saying like, no, it's technically the child. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're like, no, just Baby Yoda. <laughs> It's easier to, for people to call him Baby Yoda, but he never they never said it's Baby Yoda, so. Yeah. Yeah, but with the with the story overall with the season, it kind of like didn't answer any questions for me. It just created more questions. Really? Yeah, it's kind So so what questions did it create for you? Like where did this like guy come from and where did this dark saber come from and like Oh, Moff Gideon you are talking yeah, about at the end like, there. Like what the yeah. heck? <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, the season's <laughs> over, so if you guys haven't watched it... It's your fault! at your own risks here, you know? <laughs> but, yeah. Um, yeah, that dark... It, so, I mean, there's some backstory. If you watch The Clone Wars, that, that Darksaber, it has to do with Mandalore. Um, that that Darksaber actually is a lightsaber, and it was owned by the very first Mandalorian that was a Jedi. Right. Um, yeah. So yeah, he's the one who crafted it, and that he owned it, and then um, one of his descendants actually picked it, like had it, and then used it as a like a like a symbol for the Mandalorians trying to. They they ha- he was like the leader of what they called Death Watch, which is like a you know, they were like a mil- militia or something like that trying to retake Mandalore. Um, so it was yeah. There's this whole story. So yeah, if you haven't watched it, watch the Clone Wars. It's pretty good. Um, but one of the inconsistencies I noticed—I mean, I know Dave Filoni is really, was really—he um, was really involved with the process. But Mandalorians do take their helmets off, by the way. So, and I don't know how they came up with this is the way don't take off your helmet thing. But all over the Clone Wars and all over Star Wars Rebels, they're removing their helmet. So. I don't. I don't know where they come up with that. Maybe it has to do with the foundlings, like that branch of Mandalorians. I think it has to do with the the fact that like most of the Mandalorians were wiped out. But still, I mean, even in Rebels, that was the case, and yet Sabine Wren she she took her her helmet off all the time, and she was a Mandalorian, like literally from Mandalore. And we know this guy's not. Uh, We found that out later. Yeah. In episode eight, right? Yeah, I, I feel like maybe it has to do with this branch of Mandalorians. Maybe it's like a different sect or whatever. Okay, okay, like a religious thing. Maybe it's another question that needs to be answered. Like, where did this come from? Definitely needs needs to be answered. Yeah, well, it definitely seemed like those Mandalors on or Mandalorians on the that pl- that planet. I forget what it's called. Starts Navarro. Something. Yeah, Navarro. Um. At least uh, that they showed, it seemed like there's only those handful left. Really. Right. Yeah. That's so what it looks that like. might be just like 
an ad- like an addendum to their creed. <laughs> so, yeah, just for those particular survivors or whatever they are, right? So, uh, yeah, I mean, I agree. That's uh, that's definitely a question. I was not aware about um, the that inconsistency with the the Clone War show. So that is interesting. Yeah, um, but you know that's. I guess that's it is what it this is the way now. <laughs> <laughs> this is the way. This is the way. Um so let's uh let's let's talk about the 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 soundtrack because they have a score that was written by Ludwig Göransson and we we kind of talked about him before uh, when Black when Panther. Uh, yeah exactly Black Panther was was up for some awards. Uh so he wrote the score of this. What do you guys think of it? Rissa, what do you think of the score? Oh, I love it. I especially love the um the theme song. Yeah, I like that too. It it's shocking how fitting it fit it is in the Star Wars universe. Um because of John Williams, it's such a distinct sound. Um Yes. And it it's so iconic. And like in all of the the nine movies, it's been John Williams. So to have um somebody else come in and create a new sound that that fits in the world i think it's great what do you think nelson of the of the background music here oh i i was actually surprised that um i mean it was very western right yeah i think the the correct term from like i think a background video or some analysis videos that i've watched they they call it a spaghetti western okay but i was like yeah it surprisingly fits very well with the tone of the show um and uh, overall uh, it's still like i agree it still fits within um it uh, the the universe of star wars but it still has its own flavor and yeah, like i definitely. said it it fit the show very well so and i didn't know that was ludwig and that's uh like wow that's awesome yeah i i, I think he's getting his due I, he's been <laughs> he you know he he teamed up with ryan coogler a lot you know he did creed and he did he did Black Panther, and um, so, yeah, it's 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 coming full circle. Now he's doing Star Wars. <laughs> um, so, uh, let's talk about also the the visual effects. What did you guys think of it? Apparently, they used the Unreal Engine four. Oh to, no way! <laughs> yeah, to do the digital backgrounds for the renderings of the because it's faster than like for a live action series. Um, and Favreau said the technology can be used for a lot of different challenges. So. Instead of actually sketching on the whiteboard to map out scenes, they were doing storyboarding on that game engine. Um, wow, so <laughs> that's impressive. Yeah, I, I didn't realize Unreal Four engine could could do that. Um, what do you think of it, Nelson? I, I will note that um, I did notice that uh, the CGI didn't look super super amazingly polished. Okay, but now that you tell me that it was done on Unreal Engine Four, like oh, well, I guess that makes sense. Because um, I was comparing, like, because, you know, HBO, they spent millions and millions of freaking dollars just to make a CG dragon for Game of Thrones. Right. So I I was kind of having ever so slightly that similar expectation of, like, how good it would look. But when I saw the show, um, I was like, oh, it. I mean, it still looks good, but it definitely doesn't have that, sh- like, premiere sheen or that pristine look, you know? Right. When it came to CGI, but yeah, I guess now that you tell me it was done with Unreal Engine 4, I think like that was actually a big money saver probably. 
So yeah, I mean, especially like you were mentioning how Lucas Lucas Films was in a pinch, right? Right. So you gotta so, make with what you have. And I believe Unreal Engine Four is a it's free licensing. Oh well, that would save money for for developers. Using. Yeah, I think. Yeah. So, uh, what do you think of the visual effects, Rissa? What do you think of them? I think I thought it was pretty good uh, for a TV show. Anyway, um, I mean, like you said, some of the episodes were kind of dark, so I think maybe that might be why they were kind of hiding some of the um, lack of polish. Um, but I, I also feel like they tried to make it fit in within the Star Wars universe, um, because if you recall from the original trilogy, it it's not you know completely polished they actually use um uh, former techniques of like scale models you know um so i i feel like maybe they tried to mimic that a bit with the lack of polish and you know it's a tv show so you have a smaller budget definitely yeah you know they they don't want to spend too much even though they're probably going to make a lot on merch now now that they've uh had the child seen by everybody right (laughs) Um, okay, so let's uh, let's talk about some of the the characters that we've seen here. Obviously, there's the Mandalorian himself, and we did talk about Baby Yoda. AKA, I mean, the child, aka Baby Yoda. Um, what do you what do you guys see in terms of character development here for at least the at least Mando? What do you think, uh, Nelson? What do you think of, of Mando? Well, it was an interesting um, switch. When uh, in the, uh, that third episode, the sin, right, where he was like just being a regular bounty hunter and uh, you know turning in the bounty for the money, and he was walking away with all that, all that Beskar. Like, dang, that's nice. He's rich right. now, exactly. But then, yeah, there was just something in him that just like, nope, snapped, and like I have to, I have to undo this. So. That was definitely an interesting switch, and obviously that's the main, I guess that's a huge plot point for the entire story. Um, but uh, yeah, it's interesting to see what um, honor code he's going to be, like he's now following with the, well obviously now like with the last episode, he's now in charge. That's his foundling now. Yeah, and uh, exactly. until that child can become like a... Mandalorian itself (laughs) (laughs) that's his daddy but um yeah it's uh also I guess with that said that's also going to be a new uh uh, aspect for growth for him so I guess he's now a quote-unquote father to or a father figure to uh this uh the child Right, so that'll right. be more character development with the you know follow up seasons, I guess. But uh, yeah, it. I'm definitely looking forward to seeing what uh, what they do with this character. So, uh, what what do you think in terms of character development, Rissa, for Mando? Um, I mean, obviously, you saw a character growth and and an arc to this, um, especially when the Mandalorians had to come out of hiding. Um, you saw a distinct change within him um, because you saw glimpses of his flashbacks um, throughout the the first season. Um, So you kind of saw the depth of his character, at least the the surface depth. I I don't know if that's a thing, but like the first level of of who he is. 
um, and why saving this child was so important to him because it kind of basically happened to him. Um, but there's obviously more mystery around the child since we don't know where it came from. Like, we, we don't even know where Yoda came from. So having such a mysterious figure and something so powerful, uh, it's going to be interesting how they grow together and um, maybe it'll speak finally. Who knows? <laughs> so yeah, it's just been it's making those speak uh, backwards too. Yeah, cooing, cooing sounds and stuff for it right now. Yeah, it's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a little baby. Yeah, fifty-year-old um, baby. Fifty-year-old baby, right? So one of one of the interesting things that, um, if you recall, there was a signet that was created for the Mandalorian. It was it was that mud horn, right? That was that the um, the armorer created for him right mm-hmm. which i found um, interesting because he denied it the first exactly time. so this is the interesting thing he denied it the first time because he wasn't actually the one who killed the rhyhorn or the rhyhorn the um <laughs> the, <laughs> nice. the, Pokemon. Uh, the, the mud horn um he he was he was assisted by by baby by uh the child right so that's probably the reason why he denied it the first time but and the end, you see that he was given it to him. It was given to him because he's now the protector of the child. So he then accepted it because he he's now the guardian of this yeah. child, which which like solidified the bond. So now he was able to take it and become like a pact of two or whatever, right? Like a like a new clan or something like that. Yeah, the way you said that, that just reminded me of like, oh, the Sith rule of two. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, this is, I mean, we don't even know. Is he good? Is he a Sith? Like, we, we don't know. We don't know because we only know he knows the Force. And that's all we could well, see Well, he's Force-sensitive. Force-sensitive, yeah, Force-sensitive. Yeah. He's got that raw Force power where he can do things that, you know, I don't know. It, it's very powerful. And I don't know if you guys noticed, but... As soon as, oh, I think you mentioned it, Nelson, that um, it's kind of convenient that he knows force healing, and then all of a sudden, the movie of, you know, mm-hmm. right, the Skywalker. Literally it, it, the following day. <laughs> right. Yeah. Ray uses it. Like, what? <laughs> yeah. Introduction, huh? I feel mm-hmm. like it, that that's just speaks to the volumes of how strong this child is within um, the force. Because uh-huh. they they mentioned how in, I'm not gonna even say it because it's some people might not have seen it, but in in the latest movie it's kind of right. rare. Yeah, exactly. But that that was like, if you remember um, the story of of Darth Pelagius, I guess when Darth Sidious was talking about it, like he could he could keep his loved ones from getting hurt or dying, mm-hmm. right? So yeah, I mean, that like that's dark... the very power that Anakin wanted from the very beginning. <laughs> yeah, but is that you know is that a dark side power that he was using? Because remember he he um the child also used force choke on Cara Dune. Do you remember that well, when yeah. she was like arm wrestling? But, uh, he used force choke. I, I, and that's a Darth Vader move, right? It's a Darth Vader move. Yeah, but I don't think that's necessarily a dark side move. Right, I was thinking because that's just essentially manipulating space. The force, yeah. yeah. So it's probably just he's raw because he's a little baby. Mm-hmm. You, mm-hmm. you know, he doesn't know any better. He doesn't know dark or light. He just knows the force. Yeah, and anytime he uses it, he basically faints. Oh, right. Yeah, that's true. That's true. He falls asleep after using the force. 
Well, well, I guess we're we're gonna have to find out in subsequent seasons. Like, are they gonna try to lean him toward the, the light side or the dark side? Who knows? Well, it it seems like um, the way how they uh, uh, kind of just showed it in the shows that they don't even really know of the Force. Right. Because when they mentioned the one time they mentioned the Jedi, they they mentioned them as like sorcerers. They yeah. have this power. Right, right. They didn't even know about the the actual what the Jedi did because it's been so long since there were Jedi out and about. Well, that begs because yeah, at that time I think it was just Luke and technically Leia in training at that point. Yeah, right. but that kind of begs the question: like, how far from um, the original trilogy to the latest trilogy is this? Because um, that was like what, like twenty years or so from trilogy to trilogy because how old is so, ben solo in the first movie or kylo ren um i think sure. there's a difference of like 20 some years yeah so like it has to lie within there and i think it's like shortly after the fall of the empire right yeah i think mm-hmm. this is about three years after the fall of the empire yeah so wouldn't people still know like about luke luke and darth vader like the use I mean, of the I, you force, would think. it's only been you three think, years, right? You'd think, but I mean, if they're on the outer edge, because I know they they visited places like Tatooine. Well, they did visit Tatooine. You know, they went to Mos Eisley. Yeah, I was know? actually quite surprised they went back there. Yeah, was that? Do you guys think that was a bit of fan service when they went back there? Or oh, definitely, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, wow. Okay, they're at Tatooine. Okay, they even went to the cantina. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Thank and you. now there's a droid behind the counter. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, and then another thing about droids. What what did you guys? Um, why do you think he's he's so like against like, them? Against droids? Yeah. Oh, they touched what do you on think that. About that? Oh, yeah. Okay. They they did show because like when he was a, uh, essentially as a child, he was affected by the Clone Wars. Well, oh, not only right, that, yeah. the droids were the ones that were that killed his parents. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Those that droids, was a yeah. super battle droid. That. Uh, that's right. That's right. Oh, the Clone Wars. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean. Um, oh, and then so there was also, you know, another character was IG Eleven, um, voiced by Taika Waititi. Uh, what'd you guys? What'd you guys think of that? Of that droid. I was wondering what they were gonna do with it because, like, he's obviously. Um, was featured in the like promo poster and everything. So then when I saw he got killed off in the first episode, like that's it. <laughs> <laughs> he came back. But uh, yeah, uh, well, yeah, yeah I, I didn't know that at the time, but so um, who is standing over uh Mulan Delorean because when she died, oh, she was like in one or two scenes and after that I was like, that's it? What? I was so I was pretty pissed about that too yeah. my sister i heard her yell out loud when she watched the episode like that's it yeah no i did too <laughs> i literally did too yeah yeah she didn't she was just like a prisoner for most of it and then she got shot like okay yeah so hopefully we find out who is standing over her and that they revived her because i'm like you can't hype up like her being yeah, her in, character in <laughs> the Mandalorian for her to be in two scenes and then be killed off. Come on now. Yeah, pretty much. You might as well yeah. have just been like, oh, lol, this is, you know, she made a cameo, kind of like Daniel Craig in the Stormtrooper. 
Oh yeah. <laughs> so speaking of stormtroopers, did you guys catch the cameo from the last episode, the very last episode? Oh no, was there supposed to be one? The so the you know the stormtrooper that hit the baby, the child. Oh, the, the a, two scout troopers that yeah, were scout arguing troopers. like, I just want to see it. <laughs> yeah. Um, one of them was Jason Sudeikis. Oh, uh, no wonder actually, they were yeah. funny. Yeah. So that's the reason why Taika brought him in for that little cameo because he, he's funny, right? He's, he's the one that, that smacked uh, the child. <laughs> I cringe. People are like, people are like up and down. I'm like, really? You're going to hit a kid like yeah, that? Yeah, I cringe. I was like, no, he's just a baby. <laughs> but yeah. That was Jason Sudeikis. And then the other guy was also a comedian. I forgot his name, but yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's – you guys have any uh, any other things you guys want to touch on for, for this uh, first season here, Nelson? Well, I'm just – I am overall quite satisfied with the show, um, and I'm definitely, definitely looking forward to um, watching the second season. So many nice. questions need to be addressed. Right? And, like, bring back the Mulan DeLorean, right? <laughs> That's one of the big questions, like what Rissa was just saying a minute ago. Who was it standing over her? Right, right. And, uh, Rissa, you, you have anything else you want to touch on here with the first season? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm just glad that they finally took off his helmet, even though it was just to IG. Um, mm-hmm. Because... Uh, they they casted such a big name. I mean, I, I maybe he's not like a really big name, but being a Game of Thrones fan, he's a big name. Being Pedro Pascal, so oh, of course, like hopefully they address why they can't take off the helmet, and like he'll finally have his helmet off more often. Um, because it, it takes away. I'm surprised at how good of an actor he is to emote with just his voice. Because a big part of acting is your face and, like, your facial expressions. Oh, yeah. That's why in, like, MCU movies, like, when it's Tony Stark talking, they have him remove, like, the helmet. Exactly. Because it's such a big part of acting. Like, it's the majority of it. Just because that's body language, you know? Like, reading people is you can see their face. So, I mean, maybe that's why they don't take off their helmets. So they're good bounty hunters or whatever but like yeah um hopefully we can see more of his skills in in that regard well i mean i i do like the way he like you said he he's able to put some emotion into his voice uh because like you said he he doesn't take the helmet off for any human at least but then when he did take it off for the the bot he looked like really dejected and i was like man because he was injured, obviously, but that that was pretty powerful for him to to remove it, and then you see him with all that emotion, and I'm like, man, that's pretty, that's pretty good. So, hopefully, he would take take the helmet off again, maybe for a, a second or for some, you know. Yeah, <laughs> so they kind of teased that at that one episode, um, the sanctuary where you know he was at, just chilling at the village. Oh, that's right. He had the helmet off. But he, he, he took it off off camera, though. But yeah. yeah. And then he put it back on. Yeah, that's interesting. Maybe one of these days he'll take it off in front of the child. <laughs> and we can see. Yeah. So one of the things that I also did see was um, the Rotten Tomato scores. So okay. if you look at the trend, um, 
the lowest scoring episode was episode five, which was the gunslinger. The gunslinger. Um, and it was like maybe seventy three percent or so. So for a TV show, you know, that's still pretty good. But episode seven and eight scored a perfect, basically. Wow. Or almost wow. almost perfect. No. Well, perfect. episode those those two episodes were my favorite in the show. Yeah. Personally. You know, I, I feel like the gunslinger kind of suffered because of the, the bounty hunter actor, the one that played Toro Calican. Mm-hmm. I think he he just, he was horrible. I mean, I wouldn't say he was horrible. He just, it it didn't make any sense to me. Like, there, what, the, his acting? Was that the his, jailbreak <laughs> episode? No, it was the one where they went to Mos Eisley. Oh. Yeah, it, oh. yeah. it was that, 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 the one that was like, oh, I can get you some money. Because they were going to go after... Um, oh, so with Mulan. Shannon. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I thought that actor was just not good. I I, <laughs> I thought his like motivation didn't make any sense. Well, that would be on the story, right? I guess that's a Dave Filoni thing. Yeah. 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 It, just, it didn't... It didn't make sense to me. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. It might have been that. Um, but yeah, the, the, uh, 7 and 8 were really good, I think. Those were probably the best two episodes. It, it it kind of brought things full circle for a lot of the characters. Oh, it, you know? it definitely brought everything full circle because I I was actually kind of annoyed with them. Um, well, annoyed is not the right word, but um, I was confused when the show was going on, like how like the early episodes, how like you were saying earlier, each episode is kind of self-contained, right? And they didn't seem like they were connected really. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I wonder where they're gonna do with this, what or what they were gonna do with this. But obviously, it came like they connected all the dots by episode like seven and eight. So, I think technically se- episode seven, but uh, right, right. When he in- he pretty much enlisted the help of everyone he Everybody. encountered yeah. in the show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I obviously they answered that question, but uh, nice. So yeah, I mean, I'm I'm also looking forward to this second season. I, I guess it's gonna be coming toward fall. Is that what they said? Fall of 2020. Is that I right? I just know 2020. It's, that's all I can remember. <laughs> yeah, sometime in 2020 that uh, they're gonna come out with this second season. So hopefully it's sooner rather than later. <laughs> I'm also hoping that um, Disney Plus doesn't suffer for uh, the wait. That's true. Oh, no. I did. I did hear some things where people are saying, "Oh, Mandalorian's over," and they they just like ended their subscriptions. I'm like, really? <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of stuff on Disney Plus. So what you are know? they gonna There's do when it comes watch. back? You know, you're gonna sign up again just for the Mandalorian and then cut it out again because by that time they might raise the price. You never know. Yeah. Well. For us, we're locked in for those three years at that price, so we're good. I mean, I'm happy with Disney. <laughs> Plus oh, I'm so far. I'm I'm amazingly happy with Disney Plus. I just wish they had all the MCU movies on it, but uh, they're will get there. Well, I yeah, I, I do also have a problem with their streaming sometimes, because um, my internet here is a lot better than when where I was living before. Okay. Um, because Netflix goes off, you know, without a hitch. But sometimes when I'm streaming some episodes of um, High School Musical, the musical, the series, it like uh-huh. doesn't load. And I still have buffering issues with, with Disney Plus where um, the audio is going, but the the visual is like stuck and then it Uh-oh. backtracks and then it tries to catch up again. But most of the time I have to just exit and then go back in. 
So yeah, I I, I saw you doing that when I came over one time. Yeah, I don't know if it's just like my app on my PS4 or if it's the service, but yeah, I always have issues with Disney Plus ever since it, like I started streaming on it. Wow, well, I don't That's think you're scary. the only person because I, I definitely obviously at, at launch there was a lot of issues, but um, yeah, I think it's still since this is Disney's like their own service, they're still trying to really work out the kinks. Yeah, which they, is unfortunate because they, they had this whole beta period in Nether in the Netherlands, so you would have thought I would have thought they would have already <laughs> ironed those out, but I think the demand oh, well. here is way bigger than they thought. That that's probably the case. Um, they they probably didn't. We weren't able to estimate what they needed in order to keep it smooth for everybody. Right. But it. I mean, overall, I'm I'm also very satisfied with the with Disney Plus. So I, I like the fact that they have all this original content and they're still making some more. Um, that, or they have some that's lined up to be released also in this upcoming year, which is pretty pretty key for it to be continuing i mean there's there's more things coming even from the the marvel universe um you know we're going to see some some stuff like falcon and winter soldier and hawkeye and you know wandavision wandavision so there's there's a lot a lot more coming and you know just gotta wait and see yeah i like toko I cried. Oh man, yeah. Oh Togo, it's all your Togo fault, was. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I I wanted to watch. I didn't see it. It was pretty good though. I yeah. I I had watched it like a day or two when it came out. After it came out, so I already was expecting, you know. But uh, it was entertaining. What rewatching it with with you all? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. It's entertaining watching me cry. <laughs> no, no, no. Of all your reactions and just like no Togo. <laughs> Well, it's, right? it's it's hard being a dog owner watching a dog well, go yeah. through that, you know. I'm like, oh, man, he's really going to make him do that? But apparently he lived until he was 16. Yeah. So In re- <laughs> real life. life but In real yeah. life, yeah. Yeah. So um, any any closing thoughts you want to guys want to tell our listeners before we close? Uh, Rissa? Yeah, I, I just like to say thank you for um, tuning in again. Um, welcome to the new season. Um, I hope that you stick with Disney Plus, uh, regardless of the Mandalorian um, being on a hiatus for a while, um, because there's a lot of content. And I mean, you're, you're all Disney lovers if you're listening to this podcast. So um, hopefully you stick with us as we get to discuss more content on Disney Plus. And Nelson. Anything uh, you want to say to our listeners here? So thanks, guys, for joining us again for this new season. I know it was kind of abrupt the end of last season, but, you know, with holidays and um, uh, life happening, couldn't really help it. But, uh, again, this is the start of something new, and I hope you come along and join us for the rest of the ride. So I'd like to say thank you guys for being all in this together with us. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes look what Sorry, i started I, I couldn't i couldn't help it i couldn't help it because we're gonna bop to the top here oh no bop to the top of the ratings <laughs> so uh thanks for joining us on this episode <laughs> of the start of our something new um season three of the disney time podcast so on behalf of the other two i'd like to say keep your watches synced to disney time see ya
Bye. Later. Bye.